Welcome to episode 274 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to preview the 2023 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have a full set of Grid Talk co-hosts, Tom Horrocks, also of Monkey Seat. Hi there. Tom Downey. How do you do, And Sophia Richmond, also of Everything F1. Hi. But before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all basketball info, stats, news and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right through to UFC and boxing. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and all your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed, please consider helping out with a like and a subscribe. So it is back to Baku for Formula One after what has felt like an eternity due to the extended break after the Australian Grand Prix. And over these last few weeks, there has been some pretty big news in the Mercedes camp. Tom Horrocks, I'm going to come to you to discuss it, but the main headline being that the Mercs have swapped James Allison and Mike Elliott, which sees Allison returning to the role of technical director. Tom, tell me more about this, and why is it a good decision for the Mercedes? Well, I mean, it's it's obviously, um, it's, it's an opinion to say it's a good thing. I personally do think it's a good thing. Uh, some would say you're kind of you're trying to get the band back together, you know, you, you, you're going back to what, what you used to know was a good thing, and but... Um, but I, I think it is a good thing because Mike Elliott is is a great he he's he's a great at the whole kind of de- development and planning for the future and and um and James Allison fantastic technical director real leader of people real leader of men the kind of person that you would you you know if you're if you're in a war you'd he'd be the captain and he's the kind of guy that you want to, to uh, you know you want people to go and bat for so. Uh, he seems to be a bit more charismatic a character to Mike Elliott. So maybe on the grounds, doing dealing with the here and now, he's just a slightly better fit for that role. And this is all come about from Mike Elliott. It's not something that you know. Total Wolf hasn't wielded the axe. Mike Elliott went to James Allison, discussed it with him, and said, "Look, I think this is going to be the best people in the right places for the team. What do you think?" Because he famously stepped away from the Formula One team to take a more of a part-time role overseeing the technical technical uh, positions rather than actually the day-to-day stuff. Now that we're now that we're in this in this new formula of Formula One and the slightly different role that that is going to become. He's agreed to, uh, to to take it back on again, and um, and I think it's it's a good thing. It's it's the right people in the right places, and although it's not going to have any major bearing this season, apart from maybe the old new manager syndrome, it's certainly going to uh, it's certainly going to it's it's kind of future proof in the organisation because there were concerns, especially from me, that Mercedes were on a bit of a downward spiral and it was just going to continue sort of 2020 it's kind of started towards the end of there and then kind of it's just kind of gone from bad to worse since then so this for me um it it may well be a return to form for them long term yeah absolutely there's always the potential for that and in other news mclaren have formed a new junior driver program which is being led by former mclaren test driver emmanuele piero and currently includes indycar driver pato award reserve driver Alex Palou and highly rated youngster 
Ugo Chukwu, please tell me if I'm getting that wrong in the comments. Sophia, what does this mean for the future of McLaren? And might I get to keep their own developmental drivers? Yeah, it's definitely going to be quite an interesting. Um, just reading about it even more with the new renaming of development drivers, because you can't really say young drivers with Pato and Alex kind of being included into the list. But the fact that there was no uh, development drivers or nobody in um, the um, kind of program from 2019 to 2021, they've been able to have enough time to look at where they can go going forward. And McLaren as a whole, because they're invested in so many other different um, disciplines, IndyCar, Formula E um, and a few other ones as well. There's a lot of um, knowledge and skill for some of these drivers can try different um, disciplines. So I know Pato and I think Alex have both been in F1 uh, cars for previous testings, but also secures as well if they want to change disciplines. And especially as you mentioned, um, the young karting driver, he's been around since 2021 in the McLaren development driver. He's doing very, very well in F4. He has British uh, British F4 karting championships. He currently is racing in Italian 4, and also he just completed the Formula 4 regional UAE championships as well. He's very young. I think he's like only like 13 or something like that. Very, very young. And that's a great feed going into his career in motorsport as well, starting quite young in this series and having a team like McLaren, who albeit haven't been the best in F1, but they have been doing very well in other disciplines like IndyCar and Formula E. It, it does secure him a good future leading forward in the next following years. Yeah, it certainly does. And McLaren certainly, you know, pinpointing their drivers for the next couple of, you know, who knows, decades, depending on when they eventually make it to Formula One. Um, you know, we're seeing less and less of the 18-year-old, 17-year-old, even 16-year-olds at this point. Um, but Tom Downey, after the final few laps of chaos in Melbourne, Ferrari had their appeal over Carlos Sainz's five-second penalty dismissed by the FIA. Looking back at Baku 2021, where we also had a late red flag and one final racing lap from a standing start, which did have some chaotic results, but you know nothing like we saw in um, Melbourne. Do you think F1 has learned from their lessons after the madness of Australia? Uh, no. Um, because if F1 would have learned their lessons, we wouldn't have had the absolute shenanigans that we did have. Uh, I was going to say last week, but it feels like a, like a decade ago now because I'm still craving F1 racing. He's still got five days a week. God damn it. Um, uh, I mean, if it, if you look at, obviously, Baku 2021 and then Australia this year, they're not the same incidents. And it's, and, you know, the, I, think what, I think what Australia proved is there's no one-size-fits-all solution to a race restart. I agree with F1. Uh, F1 wanting to get a standing restart and have as many bracing laps as possible. I think that's the right way to go because we saw it in, I think, Monza last year when it ended under a safety car and everybody, and, um, and you know, I, I, I agree with the sentiments, maybe with slightly more um, coherence than that. Um, but Australia, it's just, it was. Um, it's the inconsistencies because it's just it's just it doesn't make sense in my head, and we'll get into the science penalty thing later on. But it's just um, you know it's just 
it, it's just you know how some drivers can ruin other drivers' races and basically get away with it, and then another driver doesn't have doesn't as much ruin another race, but then gets a penalty. It's just it's just so it still feels like mumbo jumbo, and it feels like F one Oh god, people are gonna hate me saying this, especially after Abu Dhabi, um, twenty twenty one. It feels like they're making it up as they go along, and it feels like it's it's just like they're just going okay, we'll do that. Um, you know, they're just they're just slinging mud at the wall and seeing what sticks. And it's like you know, it's just maybe they've got Anton Deck, you know, you know, just just saying to race control right now, give signs of five second penalty or something. I don't know, but it's um yeah, it's just it, there's still a lot to be learned from it. And we haven't got enough time to go over it. Yeah, absolutely. There is, there's. We could probably spend an entire podcast on what's wrong with, or at least what people are perceiving to be wrong with the way F one's being run at the minute, um, and the FIA. But you know, we probably wouldn't even finish that in a podcast uh, allotment. But finally, Tom Horrocks, this weekend sees the first sprint weekend of the season, and we are expecting some big changes to the format. But nobody seemed to know for definite what that format will take. Some are saying we'll only have one practice session, two qualifying sessions, a sprint and a race. Some are saying we'll just have whatever. Um, have you got any idea what's going on? And do you have any preference for whichever format it ends up taking? Uh, it's just peak F1, isn't it? It's uh, the, the the teams all come together and make a decision on, oh, yeah, let's, let's do this. That's a great idea. And then they sit on it for three weeks and just not tell anyone what's happening. It's now effectively race week. By the time you hear this, it's going to be race week. And odds are we're still not going to know by then. And it's just it just seems insane. It's so what what they've proposed what they have proposed, just in case anyone isn't aware, was that it's now going to be a single a single practice session for FP1. Uh, and then we're going to have a qualifying session for the sprint race. Uh, sorry for the for the main race, which is going to be the normal session on the uh, on the Friday afternoon. Uh, stroke evening then the saturday is sprint day where we're going to have the normal qualifying formats that we have for a race except it's going to be reduced uh gradually gradually reducing in time so you only get one run in q3 but again details of that haven't been released then we're going to have the sprint and then the sprint will not dictate the starting order for the race that will be the friday qualifying um for that we already had on the friday and then that's going to be the race so it's very much similar to the formula two way of doing things in 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 many ways so personally as a preference i prefer qualifying setting the grid for the grand prix and the sprint to be a separate run thing um how we set that grid i would quite like to see them trying a few different things rather than just doing the same thing or maybe it's like uh one shot qualifying for those three or even just a session like a, a one 20 minute session or something where they all just go out for 20 minutes and fastest time wins that kind of thing maybe just kind of muddle around with it and show a bit of variety per race weekend because with 23 24 25 races a season whatever we end up with in the coming years it's going to be a bit samey having the same race format every week but as long as we know in advance formula one so that everyone can plan for it that's great i'm on board with that but again just this this last minute.com way of doing things is it's just so reactionary and knee-jerk reaction and again if they'd have come out uh, three weeks ago four weeks ago and said yeah this is what we're going to do fine with that but they haven't and it's just peak f1 for me so who knows maybe we're gonna have a full reverse grid you never know you never know and i also did see another complication thrown in the works by obviously the fact that the pirelli tire allocation for this weekend was set several months ago you know so 
change will the changes have an impact on that well i guess we'll see um but let us know what you think in the comments um if you're watching this on youtube let us know on social media all of that jazz um together we can find the perfect f1 format we can only do it with your help um and the fia certainly need our help as well but let's start looking at this weekend then um Let's start off with Williams currently in P10 with one point. All of the grid now finally, well, all of the constructors have a point. Um, Australia, not really the best of times for Williams with Alex Albon and Logan Sargent crashing out at opposite ends of the race. Uh, Tom Horrocks, do you think they'll be able to fare any better in Baku? And crucially, when will Sargent get his first points in F1, if at all? Well, Sarge, I'm sure he will definitely, and I'm sure it will happen this season and fairly soon. To be honest, he did. Um, he's got a the one time he has raced here was in Formula Two last season, and he had a pretty good showing. Qualified seventh, uh, finished the feature race in second, and uh, all accounts probably could have won as well. So it's uh, he's certainly shown some steel at this circuit before. It's um, it's not really a happy hunting ground for Williams. They, I mean, they did did have that that podium with Stroll in was it 2017? I think it was. But beyond that, they've not really had a, a huge amount of luck there. I think. Um, eighth is their best other result maybe from um 2018 i think it was so they're not really it doesn't i mean it should suit them a little bit better than other circuits because it is a lot of straight lines and they classically do not have a lot of downforce on that car so it should be fairly slippery in a straight line so watch out for them in sector one but then they'll probably fade through sector two sector three so if they're holding on to a position i can see them potentially you know defending quite well but i can't see them advancing because once we get part through that first sector, they're just going to fall so far back and they're not going to be in a position to attack and they're not going to be able to attack under DRS. So if they have a, if we have a bit of free qualifying and we get, you know, Albon sticks himself in the top 10, then maybe there's a fight there for those positions. But beyond that, I can't see them. I can't see them progressing particularly far in the race. It's going to be a case of holding on. Yeah, definitely. Sophia, um, Yuki Tsunoda picked up Alpha Tauri's first point of the season last time out in Australia, but neither car actually really looked like scoring prior to that late red flag. Uh, historically, the Alpha Tauris have gone well at Baku, or at least one of them has. Um, but do you think it might be a long weekend for the Red Bull sister team this weekend? Oh, I just think back about Yuki with the duct tape, the gaffer tape for the, for the wing. Oh my God. Again, this is the FIA, like make a decision with the flags. I mean, because Gasly finished fifth last year. So it is possible that Alfatori can. Obviously, however, though, Nick DeVries is obviously racing. He's never raced at this track as well. So he's, it, again, it's going to be quite unknown, unknown to him, similar to how it was in Australia. So I think... It'll be difficult. I don't see them getting either of them getting points. I to be completely honest. I hope that Yuki finishes and doesn't have any issues. But as you mentioned with the Pirelli tires as well, that's also gonna make such a big play. We've seen in previous seasons uh with take Max and Lance Stroll, for example, with the tires going out quite quickly more than what Pirelli was expecting. And I believe they had the similar situation of announcing the tire uh, tire classifications quite early. And again, with the new formats, we don't know what's happening. We don't know if we're going to get extra sets of tires, what compounds those extra tires are going to be as well. So for Alvatore, I think for them to be consistent and both to finish the race, I'll be definitely not on the points, is it going to be a major win for them for this week? Yeah, definitely. Tom Downey, uh, Alfa Romeo currently occupying P8 with six points. They've had a slower start to the 23 season than they did last year. 
Um, but after Joe picked up a handful of points in Australia, can they use that momentum to spring on, springboard themselves up the midfield in Baku this weekend? I think Joe possibly could. I don't think Bottas could. Um, you know, I, I think I think Bottas's days are numbered, to be honest. Um, you know, he's just he's just look off the pace and slow and just bleh. And I know everybody loves him now because he's 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 the sort of resident Boganozzi of the grid, you know, with his mullet and his uh you know, and his his pawn tash and, and everything. But it's uh you know, if, if you look at their on track results, you know, but you know Bottas didn't score any points in Australia um, when, uh, you know, when pretty much the rest of the grid who finished did. He was one of the only drivers who didn't. And then, you know, if you look back at Jeddah, you know, he was way down the order, about P18 or something. I think he was the last of the runners. Um, it's not a... Sauber's a weird one, right? Or Alfa or whatever they're called. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because... They, you know, for a while, you know, they were sort of like the plucky underdog, if you like, and then, and then went, then when the Ferrari engine, yes, I can, I know there's an ice cream van outside, I don't think I can do about it. Um, anybody want a '99? Um, no, it's um, uh, um, the Sauber, you know, it's uh, they've 2022, they showed real promise when, when the, you know, when the new regs kicked in, and then. They sort of just seem to slump, you know. I don't know if they're not putting in as much R and D, or you know, if, or if there's what, or if you know, they knew perhaps sooner that you know, um, Big Daddy Fred was going to Ferrari or what. But it's just something needs to change with them. And you know, hopefully, when Audi come in, we'll see. You know, we'll see. A, we'll see a different story for Sauber. Yeah, it might take them several years, as the Aston Martin fairy tale seems to have done, but. You know, I think Alfa Romeo, Salba are currently just waiting for, you know, the Audi money to start pouring in and actually put some money into development. Maybe it's all tactical, finishing lower behind so that they get more wind tunnel time so that when Audi come in, it's like, hey, look at all this development time we've got. Let's go. Um, and then all of a sudden we've got Audi finishing P1 with, you know, the most developed car in history. Um, but Tom uh, Horrocks, uh, on to Haas, who are one point ahead with seven. Um, without that final restart, Hulkenberg might have finally picked up that first podium in Australia. But the grid, grid reset meant he finished P8 for Haas. Uh, presumably the American outfit will be advising Magnussen to avoid hitting the walls with his rear end. But can Haas have a good strong weekend in Baku? And how will Nico fare with his first F1 sprint weekend? Well, that's a good point, it being Nico's first sprint weekend. I mean, would he have done one on any of his deputising? I don't think he did, did he? He did Silverstone, that, but that, was, that wasn't that was a sprint weekend. So, no. Um, yeah, it's, in a word, I don't, it, the word is going to be no for, for Haas this weekend. I, I, they've not really, it's not been a happy hunting ground for them, particularly, I think, Magnussen in the first year um, got, got them into the points, minor points maybe. Um, maybe Grosjean might have got the odd point here and there, but they've certainly not been not been competitive it's not been their their forte by by any stretch and uh and kevin is really under pressure now and i didn't expect to see that from from hulkenberg at the start of this season I, i'm i'm glad i'm glad we have seen this but he's he's absolutely destroyed his teammate and uh he's i think is it as i'm just checking my notes is he he's i think he's finished all three is it all three races no it's not all three races at all i'm lying it's uh, all three qualifyings he's beaten magnuson in so this it's really it's just 
very unexpected that given that Hulkenberg wasn't always an amazing qualifier, um, but he's he really is just just handing it to, to Kevin at the moment. So definitely a man under pressure. So seeing how those I hope those two can work well as a team and they can push the team forward and, and push on to those points because Haas started off OK, getting a couple of points in the bag there. But then obviously McLaren have now. Um, now flown forwards. Williams have got some points and AlphaTauri, even with their car, have got points as well. So they certainly can't just sit there and say, okay, we've got some early season points now, we can rest there because they absolutely can't. They need to need to push on and and score points in as many races as possible because for Haas, those results do need to come early. I know they've got a bigger budget this year and are hoping to develop more throughout the season, but I have fundamental question marks about just how well Haas can develop anyway. They've not got a great history of in-season development as well. So certainly for Haas, for, for this race, I, I'm not I'm not convinced we'll see an awful lot from them, but I, I certainly think that uh, that they're... Um, that Kevin is gonna is gonna have to gonna have to step up to to Nico, and uh, that's that's going to be a really interesting dynamic. To- follow or um especially given their two history as well but uh yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one for them uh i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how that one pans out but i would certainly like to see uh, a double has points finish but i'm not particularly convinced that's going to happen yeah absolutely and moving on to alpine it is eight six seven for six seven and eight um in terms of points and positions in the constructors championship but it was going all right for the alpines in australia until the second restart when gasly hit ocon and they both retired throwing away a very solid amount of points but it was a racing incident um uh what am i looking uh sophia gasly is still very close to getting a race ban from amassing his penalty points do you think it could come this weekend and can alpine bounce back and in their own words take the fight to mercedes with the rumored upgrades they are bringing yeah, I mean, Gazi got very lucky without getting at least one or two driver points after the situation. Albeit, yes, it was a racing incident, but it could have gone either way in that kind of case, I personally believe. But I mean, looking at the stats dating back from obviously, well, I'm going to say from 2021, Alpine has been kind of consistent. However, their most consistent driver in the points in the last two, uh, 2021 and 2022 was Fernando Alonso finishing fifth, uh, sixth and seventh in Baku. However, with Gazi moving over, Gazi's finished third and fifth um, the last two races in Baku. So it is a track that he is quite good at. Akon, not so much. I think he's retired three out of the four times or something like that, like two out of the three times. So it's not his favorite track. But I do think Albin could have a good chance. They're doing quite well a bit this season, albeit obviously uh, the incident in Australia kind of put a damper on things. But I do think that they could be in good contending for double points for uh, this track. You never know, really, as well. Baku's track is one of the most interesting ones because it is quite fast and obviously the corners. It's one of my favourite tracks of the entire calendar. Um, Would want to go to it at some point, way down the line. But for Alpine, with the upgrades that are potentially going to come into play for Baku, it'll be interesting to see how long they can last. I think they have the pace for good qualifying. However, I'm not sure that they can sustain a long-term race run, um, which is where Alcon had a lot of his DNFs was due to, um, I think it was like turbocharger and an engine problem. So we'll see how it goes with that. But I I do think that they're good contending to be both in the points um, for this weekend coming. Yeah, they certainly need to to make up for uh, Australia at the very least. But Tom, a team who did end up capitalising on the misfortune in uh, Australia, McLaren getting double points. 
um, which is actually the second time in two Australian Grand Prix they've had double points. Um, but Piastri seemingly proving to have made the right decision choosing McLaren so far, at least. Um, and they're expected to be bringing maybe a B-spec car to Baku. Um, no confirmation yet. But, you know, we might get that at the same time we get some form of confirmation from the FIA about what's going on this weekend. Um, will this put them back in business? And how do you expect to see them performing in Azerbaijan this weekend? Um, I think they better back up their performance from Australia just, you know, just just to really prove that it, it, it wasn't a, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a one time fluke. Um I've heard rumours that they are bringing a B spec car, but I can't remember if um, if if it was McLaren bringing it to Baku or if it was Mercedes bringing it to Baku and then the other one bringing it to Imola. Um, I honestly can't remember. Um, that upgrade package, provided it actually works, you know, a bit of a crucial point, um, cannot come soon enough for them because yes, they scored double points in Australia, but it was because of a couple of other cars' misfortune. Um, we 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 could say. I think, um, I think Piastri, now, now, you know, at first, right, I thought Dan Rick's probably laughing to himself, thinking, you know, I got paid $20 million or whatever it was to not drive that car. Because let's be fair, when we saw McLaren in, uh, in Bahrain, I felt for McLaren fans. Um, and then, you know, it's not looked great for them. Um, you know, as I can see, Tom just trying not to roll his eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, um, but, they showed more signs of promise in Australia, and um, uh, what's his name, Piastri? You know, he, he was he's putting he's bringing in a couple of good overtakes, especially in sort of like turn nine, ten, that that uh, that fast sort of left right section. Um, they obviously need to improve the car. You know, they don't need us to tell them that. I mean, I doubt they're listening to be honest. Um, but um, but it, you know, it's. Uh, <sighs> McLaren, it feels like they've gone back to about 2017, or you know, I don't think it's full 2015 when they first started the McLaren Honda era, which went so well. Um, but it does feel like, especially if you look at where they were like three, four years ago, even two years ago, it feels like they've taken a massive backward step. Um, so you know, a, a, a lot of sort of fundamental redesign needs to be done. Hopefully, now that, now that they've freed up and you know, a shed load of cash with that. Um, uh, you know, now that they got rid of Danny Rick, you know they can perhaps put a bit more into R and D. And yeah, I mean Baku, you know, you know they, you know, it's it's a difficult setup anyway because you have to think, you know, am I going to focus on, you know, you know, sort of sector two into sector three, you know, so so the big castle section winding through there because that's fairly downforce heavy, or do you just go absolutely, you know, you know, sort of flat out down down the straight? Um, you know, the, you know. I, I think McLaren they might be in for a tough time because they're they're going to get caught somewhere, and they're they're going to have to compromise somewhere. And I just don't know how good a weekend is going to be for them. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting weekend for McLaren. And if they do bring this B-spec car, maybe not quite the circuit to be you know gathering data at. Um, because you know if you push it a little bit too far. There's a, there's walls very close to um, the track in Baku, as uh, you know, many drivers have found out, including two-time world champion Max Verstappen. Um, but we're not looking at Red Bull yet. We are looking at Ferrari and Tom Horrocks. This time last season, it was all about Ferrari and their title fight. 
this season, not quite going as well. Um, Leclerc's retired from two races. Carlos Sainz relegated out of the points after a controversial penalty. Does the Fred Vasseur-led team have it in them to amount a fight for a win this season? And do what do they have to do to turn things around? Based on their past history at Baku, absolutely not. When you've got your best result at Baku is Raikkonen in twenty eighteen with a with a podium, it's not really great reading. They they, yeah, they really need to go back to basics. There you go. There's a third one on the uh, on on the Baku pun list. There, uh, it's yeah. They've when Carlos Sainz is comprehensively outperforming Leclerc the way he is. I mean, a lot of it is down to luck, and I love Carlos Sainz. Believe me, he's my second favorite driver on the grid, but. He's not as good as Leclerc, and he is—he seems to be beating Leclerc at the moment. And I don't know if that's completely down to just just complete luck. I know obviously he's had the he's had the issue with the with the car and then the the grid drop and everything. So, but it's if if Leclerc had had Science's luck, then he would be a lot higher and he'd be a lot higher up. And Science has even had the bad luck with the penalty as well. So. But they just don't seem to be there at all at the moment. And there was so much hype about this Ferrari in the in the offseason. We've hit all our targets. Well, you set low targets and you're going to hit them, aren't you? So it's I, I can't see it. I, I really can't. It's uh, they, you know, there's a double retirement here last year. I, I can see the same thing happening again. It's going to be uh, any upgrades they bring will probably end up wedged in some tech pro somewhere along the along the weekend. And it it's not. It's not a great situation for them right now. And they, they've got to, I mean, they're not so much looking over their shoulder too much, but they need to push on. There's no reason. They shouldn't be as far down as they are. I don't think they've got to worry too much about McLaren. Um, I don't think McLaren are going to be anywhere near them in the championship, to be honest. It's, despite how bad they are, they, they just, they've still got too much pace, even for, you know, even for a B-spec McLaren, I, I fear. But yeah, they're certainly not going to be in the fight for the championship. Um, which is which is disappointing at this stage, but hopefully, you know, someone we're probably going to talk about fairly soon, Aston Martin, will be be able to step to them and and take on that that mantle with like Aston Martin, Mercedes taking it to um, Red Bull to have that three way fight that we crave. But uh, I think Ferrari, it's it's not looking great to be honest, and uh, it's too early to say how well Vassar is doing because it, it's far too early. You need to give them at least two seasons to be honest, but. But certainly, so far, it's it's not gone great. And I don't think it's going to get much better this weekend. Certainly not. Uh, Sophia, um, Mercedes uh, currently in P3 with 56 points. Despite a retirement from George Russell, they did look to have the second quickest car in Melbourne with both cars leading the race at points and Lewis Hamilton doing everything he could to outrace Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso. We've already mentioned the switcheroo of technical roles. How do you see the Mercs faring in Azerbaijan this weekend? see them doing actually very well um they had a decent last season they finished third and fourth even with all the issues that they were having with the new regulations albeit obviously the double ferrari dnf did also help them in their positions moving up the grid um but i they've been quite consistent they're the only other constructor that um has won in baku with both bottas and lewis winning in previous years and even if we look into 2021 as well mercedes did Decently to an extent um, in the podium positions, not podium, in the points positions. Um, I think the getting back on track, it'll be interesting with obviously, as you mentioned, the new swap. This is the first race of this new change. So we'll see if it improves. I don't think it will make much of a difference this first race. I think we might have to wait until for another three to four races, maybe to even see like quite a change. But 
given this season so far, Mercedes has definitely stepped up from where they were last season, a hundred percent. And I think that we can, um, that Mercedes can now actually maybe contend for another podium. Maybe, who knows, maybe Lewis actually might get his win. Um, it was interesting as well, looking at stats today, uh, Lewis now has the um, surpassed Max, I think, for the most days without a win um, ever. So, which is really interesting, giving obviously um, Lewis seven-time world champion. But yeah, I, I, I can see them both in double points. I would like to see maybe one of them on podium, um, but I do think double points is an easy contending for them. I can see them doing well in the sprint as well, because as you mentioned as well, they were very quick in Melbourne. And given that this street is quite fast with all the shops and turns, which are similar to how Melbourne is, they will be quite good contenders. And especially with the points um, into play in sprint now being actually a decent amount of points, it'll be what they need, um, especially for Lewis to surpass um, Alonso in the constructors, sorry, in the driver's standings as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, looking at Aston Martin, who are currently P2 with 65 points, what a contrast to last season. Um, second in the constructors, three podiums, and a car that makes even Lance Stroll look competitive. Will they have it in them to make it four podiums in a row in Azerbaijan? And how long until Alonso gets his first win since the Ferrari days? Um, well, I think you know. I think saying a McStall look quick is perhaps a bit of an over exaggeration. But yeah, you know, that that car is is pretty damn good. Um, even though it's apparently fifty percent Red Bull, fifty percent Merck, as some people would like you to think, um, which is one hundred percent rubbish. Um, you know, it's. Uh, it, I think, barring something going wrong, you know. So if you know, if you know, barring a mechanical DNF or. You know, then getting wiped out at turn one or three or you know turn nine castle section, whatever. It's hard to see them not being on the podium, to be honest. Um I don't think they'll get on the top step on merit, mainly because the RB nineteen is just a rocket ship. Um but you know, if you know if, if Red Bulls, you know, if they have a mechanical DNF or you know, if they crash out or if they get taken out. Alonso could may may well snatch a victory that way. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen at some point this season. Um, you, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't put it past um, what's his name Alonso to be P two uh, in 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 Baku. You know, because uh, you know, he's a better driver than than, than Perez. And whilst yes, the RB nineteen is a you know, is a is the best car on the grid by a fair way. I think the skill gap between Alonso and that com- and his car as a package compared to Perez and the Red Bull, I think Alonso could do it. it you know, you know, especially as Perez doesn't always get the best of starts. Um, I mean, Singapore last year, you know, outside of that, um, you know, but we we saw it at Jeddah where Alonso mugged him, you know, mugged him going into turn one. So I think Aston is almost a given that they're going to be on a, going to be on the podium. It's like. Is it oh, all right? Here's, here's a thought I just had. Is uh, sorry, not Paris. Is Alonso going to be the Verstappen of 2020, where you know we always had both drivers from the top team, so Merck in 2020, and then uh, and then Verstappen was either P2 or P3 in you know several of the podiums. I think that's what Alonso is going to be this year, and then just sneak, you know, perhaps sneak one or two wins every now and again. The pair aloe and the aloe pair, um, just every single well, it's not happened every single because Australia, 
but you never know. Um, Tom, what do we even need to say about the Red Bull team this season? An impeccable car, impeccable catering unit, and a number one driver who has been outperforming the entire grid to the extent that you can take a trip across the grass, lose about 10 seconds, and still be over 10 seconds up the road from the nearest challenger. Um, if we are talking about Red Bull having super DRS before, that 2.2-kilometre main straight in Baku this weekend is going to feel relatively short for Verstappen and Perez. You say that, but... Um... Verstappen has retired here three times out of the five times we've raced here. So there's, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's it's a slam dunk. Um, Red Bull do have history. They have won here three times, but they've won here with three different drivers. So um, that's 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 quite a that's quite an interesting stat in itself. There, it does breed chaos. It does breed surprise results. I mean, you just got to look at uh, Hamilton's only won here once, despite the dominant cars he's had. Um, Bottas could have won here twice had it not been for a bad puncture. So. Surprise results do happen. Perez got on a podium here in a Force India. So it's, I, I, just because they've got a, a, a very fast car, I wouldn't be surprised to see something different. So don't worry, listeners. There's going to be a surprise this weekend. It's not going to be another Red Bull domination. And if um, they're going to be the quickest, obviously they're going to be the quickest car. But I don't think it's going to be a domination. I think uh, they'll certainly be the quickest in the race, but I think it's going to be a lot closer. There's probably going to be safety cars. There's probably going to be a red flag. There's probably going to be weird strategy. Things are going to come into play due to ill-timed safety cars and debris and things like that. And, uh, and uh, like Anton Deck saying something to (laughs) spice up the racing, probably knowing the way things are panning out. So there's not much to say about, how they're going to do. We know who's the uh, who's the lead driver in that team. We know how things are going to pan out. We know how good Perez is at street circuits, but even with that, he's not going to be a match for Max Verstappen. We know all that, but what we don't know is what Baku is going to bring us because it's a it's a mystical place where the the uh, predictable gods of Formula One never actually turn up to. So it's uh, I, I'm just looking forward to the ride and with there being a sprint race and we don't even know what the race format is yet. So it's going to be insane and I'm here for it. It is certainly going to be insane, but that is our look at the constructors and prediction and um, assuming kind of what they're going to be getting up to this weekend. But time for some predictions. Um, let's start off with some podium predictions. So, Sophia, I'll let you take it off from here. Oh, OK. Um, I think it's going to be Perez, P1, um, uh, followed by Alonso, P2. And I'll say an LP and I'll say Gassi, P3. That's also my bold prediction right there as well, with a no uh, no max podium. Um, but yeah, Perez, Alonso, Gasly is my podium. Perez, Alonso, Gasly. Tom Downey, do you echo that sentiment, or what's your podium prediction? Absolutely not. Um, yeah, as I see Sophia just violently shaking her head then. Um, no, I think uh, Max P1, barring no... DNS, obviously, you know, if he's going to finish, he's going to be P1, I think. He's just unstoppable at the moment. Um, P2, I'm going for Alonso. Um, I think I think he's going to, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think, I just, I've got a feeling, as a Black Eyed Pea said. Um, and yeah, P3, I'm going to say George Russell. Because you know he was looking pretty damn quick in Australia before his, um, you know, before his uh, car turned into a barbecue. The Baku IPs have got better songs than I got a feeling. Um, Tom Horrocks, your podium prediction, please. Drop yourselves in. I'm just going to come out and say it: Alonso, Hamilton, Perez. 
Well, I mean, that's two podiums without Verstappen on it, um, which is looking quite bold, which leads me on to our bold prediction, Sophia. Both McLarens and points. That, I yeah, they've been quite consistently in the points for the last two races, 2021 and 2022. Yeah, um, so I think that they could be in points, probably P10 and P9, but they're still in the points and that's what matters. A point is a point, as they say. Tom Downey, your bold prediction, please. Um, both Alpha Tauri's in the points. Well, that will that will be definitely bold if it happens. Uh, Tom Harrocks, your bold prediction, please. Logan Sargent gets a P seven or higher. Ooh. That, I mean, it's Baku, baby. It's Baku. <laughs> William's best result of the season, and it's a bold prediction. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if it does happen. Um, and now that we've got the predictions out of the way, it's time to give our panelists a chance to give some promo. Tom Horrocks, you're from the Monkey Seat, as well as F1 uh, Grid Talk. Um, where can people find that if they want to go and listen? Well, like you said there, do uh, do a lot of stuff with, with F1 Chronicle with the Grid Talk podcast and we do our fireside chats and obviously race reviews and previews, things like this. Um, all, always great to be involved with you guys. It's really, uh, really a great community. I really enjoy being part of it. Uh, it all started off by me and a friend just deciding we're going to talk about Formula One, one of which didn't know anything about Formula One at the time, which is my co-host, Carl. Uh, so uh, that that's always fun um, when educating him as to who Damien Hill is. And uh, it's like, no, that's Damien. Jesus. So, it's, yeah, it's, if you want to hear two people spouting nonsense about Formula One who don't insult F2 drivers and get cancelled, then that's uh, that's the monkey seat. So monkeyseatpod.com or on the socials at monkeyseatpod. Don't know what you could have been referring to there, Tom. Every single F1 podcast is perfectly, you know, uncancellable. Um, Sophia, um, obviously you're with EF1 as well, but also Formula Talk and Grid Talk. Yeah, definitely. So EF1, everything F1, um, you can find us on all social media at EF1.com or join EF1 on social media. Do articles not just about F1, but F2 and F3, the new F1 Academy that's coming up, uh, Formula E as well. And then, as you mentioned, Formula Talk. So me and Tom Downey do a weekly podcast. And we've had some few other guests from the other Good Talk um panelists um in previous episodes as well primarily talking about f2 and f3 and you can listen to it um on the back catalog of grid talk as it is part of grid talk and as always enjoy being a panelist uh joining with you guys for grid talk as always yeah and tom um sophia kind of took the uh formula talk promo but is there anything else you want to signpost or just anything you want to say like comment subscribe like, comment, subscribe. There we go. That's for you, YouTube watchers. Um, but on that note, um, Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights and better recording equipment. Also, make sure you subscribe to the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. We'll be back next week with plenty more F1 content. Hopefully, an idea of what's going on with um, Baku, but you never know. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online, and goodbye. <laughs>